We're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna start here we go we are live everybody welcome to another episode of the break the rules live stream i am your humble host love polyakov and we are here with the chad himself the chad chad haig back with us on btr always a pleasure to have him talking about ted kaczynski and we have for the very first time wonderful guests we got ben avery uh formerly of the uh, tim dylan show now of the wonderful lemon party show which i highly recommend recommend everybody checking out uh it's wonderful banter on this uh, 4chan level that i really resonate with and we have his friend joey lefleur i don't know if you are french or not joey but uh welcome and you are a friend of ben's and you guys do uh, skits together and it's great to have you here and we got last but not least brian chow a math genius and working with artificial intelligence. Now, you told me earlier what you're doing with artificial intelligence, and even though we're talking about Ted K, I think the two things are very related. Quickly tell the good people what you, God's work is what you're doing, but tell the good people what it is. Sure. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, so this is a very, very early stage startup, but I'm basically working on uh, creating politically neutral versions of artificial intelligence. Uh, some of you may have seen some of my reporting floating around uh, on Twitter that was basically documenting how OpenAI deliberately went out of its way to make uh, artificial intelligence models reflect, you know, basically social progressive values. And basically, you know, that's a very small minority of the American population. We're going to say, we're going to call their bluff and say, um, I think the vast majority of America's population pre prefers AI that's politically neutral. Hell yeah. And uh, because we're talking about Ted Kaczynski, the subject of political correctness goes hand in hand. But before <laughs> we go on, I want to ask uh, the entire panel here, uh, starting with uh, the people uh, who I know, like Ben, how versed are you with uh, Uncle Ted? Well, obviously, I've seen documentaries about him and I've, I've read about him and I know he's a he's a hero in the in the uh, the based underworld of the Internet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know enough to know, like, you know, he was, uh, he was MK'd and he went to Harvard and, uh, you know, if his, his brother didn't, uh, rat him out, he may still be building bombs to this day because he was so smart. He could have maybe evaded, a, a police for, 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 uh, decades, maybe. Guys, I, I don't want to cut Ben off or anything, but, um, is there any way we could avoid talking about some of the bomb stuff? <laughs> I think YouTube's algorithm should be all right if we talk about it in documentary-style way. I mean, Chad, you've done videos about uh, Ted Kaczynski for a while now, and everything seemed to be on the up-and-up, right? Sure. You just put the disclaimer, this is for educational purposes alone. There we go. This is for educational purposes alone. And I, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying for, for the purposes of not, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's the, the bomb stuff is so stigmatized. I feel like in America, it's also just rumors. It's and it's just rumor, right? Well, look, we are going to be talking about not the bomb stuff as much as what is behind the motivation. What are the things that Ted saw Thanks. that's happening in the world? So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And you so uh, you're welcome so much. And by the Wait, way, we're, I completely we're focusing fo on what we are focusing on why Ted did what he did. We are focusing on why he sees what we're going why into right now. Why, why he wrote? Yes, you're exactly, saying? exactly. Well, why he sees 
we are going into a state of total technological control with our freedom being completely limited. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And by the way, all the people who are listening to this right now, make sure to smash that subscribe button, smash the like button, click the bell. It's extremely important for the algorithm. So anyway, Chad, let us start with yourself. Talk to us a little bit about this technological control mechanism. What exactly has been going on these last couple of decades what are the big worries? And I know it's like a lot, but maybe we can try to sum it all up in a uh, shorter way. The um, the Reader's Digest version, if you will. Uh, if we look at uh, Kaczynski's Progress versus Liberty in particular, unpublished essay from 1971, he opens the essay by noting that the relation between progress and liberty, which are the two things mentioned in the title, is in quasi-mathematical terms, an inverse relation. The more you have of one, the less you have of the other. And these are themselves basically uh, euphemisms for other things. Uh, progress is a euphemism for technology. And liberty is something of a, a code word for the kind of freedom which you can only have under natural conditions. So technology and nature are inverses of one another in the precise sense that technology here is not to be understood as the naive definition of a bundle of physical machines. The machines themselves are something of a physical instantiation of something far more abstract, which is the idea of a systematic rationalization, which is oriented towards maximizing efficiency, uh, productivity, and above all, predictability. And those are things which are at odds with the things that define nature. Nature in its pure state is not fully predictable. It has things like, say, the kind of emergent properties, which even with a bulletproof analysis of the factors um, before the emergent property appears, you can't formally predict that it's it's going to um, it's going to uh, hold the character that it does. A great example of this is human consciousness. Human consciousness emerges from a set of factors that precede it, which you can't actually um, predict the character of human consciousness as such simply from analyzing those factors. Technology is the exact opposite. Um, the uh, a self-propagating system of modern technology requires a full rationalization, which holds an abstract character even before it comes to incorporate physical elements from nature and then transform them into extensions of itself. Under these conditions, um, human beings might um, appear to continue to uh, be uh, biological organisms um, uh, with a human nature that they had had before technologization, but that's really an illusion. For insofar as they are allowed to continue to exist, it is only if they join into the self-propagating system by being useful to it in some way. So under these conditions, you can see that more technologization um, necessarily means less freedom. Mm, interesting. So in other mm. words, the technological mechanism that we're all in right now it's not going to give people that much of a choice, even if they want to rebel against it, if they want to be individuals, they're still going to end up following certain rules the more complicated it gets and the more regulated it gets. It'll actually turn rebellion into a certain social technology in itself, which is useful for it. Uh, Kaczynski's post-arrest essay, uh, The System Seen is Strict, know that the um, kind of conditions we are forced to live under today um, so vastly contradict the hunter-gatherer conditions uh, we had evolved under for hundreds of thousands of years that we'll always feel like we want to rebel against something, even if we don't know what that is. That 
thing we feel um, that is causing us to feel this way is, of course, modern technology. But even if we don't know what we uh, want to rebel against, the system will work two steps ahead of itself by openly encouraging us to rebel for the sort of things which will be useful to it. For example, the system has no problem with us protesting for racial equality because it would be a problem if only one quote unquote race could be fully incorporated as the kind of workers and consumers which the system needs to be productive. Similarly, the system has no problem with us protesting for gender equality, even if that's 68 genders, because once again, it would be a problem if only one gender could be fully incorporated as workers and consumers. So all of the things which from the micro level seem to be about race, gender, etc. Really, if you zoom out, you'll see that that's just a means to an end for more control and ultimately leading to a state in which any sort of personal identifier like that disappears as every one of us is incorporated as a carbon copy of the same sort of generic cog, which can fit into the system in just the same way that any of the others do. All right, Ben, what do you think of this? Like, so I'm not, so I was reading about this earlier too, and I'm not trying to be like willfully like obtuse because obviously I understand the importance of it, especially for art and stuff. But uh, I guess, doesn't it, doesn't it mirror an organism? Like, a, like literally doesn't it mirror like a, like a cell? Like there's no, if you have some, uh, like, let's say like one of your like ribosomes and like your mitochondria decide to all of a sudden be like an individual and like be a, like this rogue cowboy, and it, then the shit doesn't work. Right. Uh, right. We call that cancer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. So I guess that's where society was like, don't we sort of mirror that stuff? And look, obviously I'm not, I'm not a smart guy. You, uh, build uh ai robots i think i heard and you live in india and sound like the smartest guy i've ever <laughs> it's not like a, a smart chad sounds like a smart guy in like a simpsons yeah. like cartoon if you if you go by the way to chad's channel you're going to see that he did works on uh hegel on uh other other than just ted kaczynski on all these great philosophers and all these minds like uh Linkola and uh i don't know if you ever heard the uh writer what's his name the 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 traditionalist guy who I'm thinking of Evola Julius Evola Julius Evola yeah Ben are you a Julius Evola fan No are these all like German idealists You you mentioned like Heigl and people like that Who, who are these people Okay so Julius Evola You could call him an idealist <laughs> <laughs> He's uh he's very well known for writing a book on uh what was it the uh, anthroposophy or no no I'm not gonna go down down that uh, road That's like a, a Twitter in joke But uh and I kind of screwed it up But anyway no he is all about traditionalism he writes about the glory of war and how war is an important quality for uh, people mm. to imbue and it's sort of similar to the problems that ted kaczynski is talking about because we don't really have that good of an outlet for ourselves in life and right. so we have these surrogate activities like chad was talking earlier about like stamp collecting for instance that some people would pick up stamp collecting or pokemon or video games or whatever and even something that would be a monumental uh you could say like for the sake of all the millions of people in the world type of thing that would also be if i'm not mistaken chad that would also be a surrogate activity right well even um scientific research is uh, formally uh, identified by Kaczynski, even as early as 1971 in uh, Progress versus Liberty, as a surrogate activity, which from the human individual's perspective, it's done more for the sake 
of getting to feel that one has something to work on and specifically for the ability to feel that one has accomplished something. Okay. And he says this um, is uh, something which explains human behavior even above any economic motive. So he doesn't take the Marxist viewpoint that all human ideology is just a distortion of materialistic economic, economic motivations. He says even at the very end of the uh, Unabomber Manifesto that the so-called crypto leftist isn't just motivated by, say, trying to make more money. Uh, they have to have something um, far more psychologically uh, relevant than that to motivate them. And what that is, is the, the, um, uh, they need to feel like they're free enough to work on something and then accomplish it. Okay. And even scientific research, he says, is just another example of this. Uh, Marvin Minsky was working on the same AI, which, if uh, followed to its logical conclusion, would lead to human extinction. Because if um, you were able to fully replicate everything about human intelligence from having a perfect modeling of the brain, um, you would be able to build on that foundation by taking all of that and then um, adding on to it things which uh, electronic brains are capable of, but human brains are not. And that does lead to human extinction eventually. But the irony identified by Kaczynski at the very end of the essay is that the people working on this are doing it just to feel like they have something to work on. And this is because modern technology has taken away all of the other opportunities we might have had. We can't just get all of our own food as, say, hunters and gatherers, okay, as had been the case before, because the control of food is fully under modern technology. Um, similarly, we can't work on uh, getting potable water, um, uh, as in the state of Colorado where I'm from, even collecting rainwater is against the law. So because all of the really serious um, uh, iterations through the power process for survival needs have been taken over by modern technology, it allows certain surrogate activities, not only because they're harmless, like, say, collecting stamps that you mentioned, but also because in some subtle way, they reinforce the power of the technological system. And the sort of scientific research you have with uh, Marvin Minsky is a perfect example of this. He's allowed to feel like he has something to work on because what he's really doing is furthering the conditions for modern technology to take away more of our freedom. Is it the same with podcasts? So like Break the Rules or Lemon Party, would they also be participating in our eventual extinction, you'd say? Uh, most social media activity, I would say, is just a surrogate activity. Uh, you look at uh, the phenomenon of um, uh, TikTok, for example. <laughs> Guys, please. All right, let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> Look at the phenomenon of TikTok. According to um, Tarl Warwick or Sticks Hex and Sammer 666, um, most of the audience on TikTok actually is non existent. You have 13 um, year old kids who think that they're famous because there appear to be a huge number of people following them, even though the content is incredibly trivial. It's 30 seconds of dancing to music. Um, but they think that they're famous because they have all of these followers who are actually just robots. Um, who are a front for the Chinese communists to dupe these kids into recording their most embarrassing moments so that decades later they could have that ready to blackmail them when they're ready to take, say, a high-level um, high corporate academic uh, government position. So social media in that context really is just a surrogate activity. It gives the kids, or really not just kids at this point, all of us, you know, it, well into adulthood, it gives you the opportunity to feel like you have something to work on, which is producing this content to get likes 
and to appear to be followed by an audience when in reality it's serving a technological function, which goes beyond the Chinese communists, by the way. It's serving a function even um, beyond any human representative of it for the global technological system itself. So before I get to uh, Brian, because I know since you are deep within this world, you're going to have a lot of thoughts on this. I want to get to Ben and then Joey. So, Ben, you uh-huh. are pretty much a Zoomer from what I understand. Like, I think you're in your mid-20s, late-20s. Oh, no, I'm 30. You're 30. Okay, so you're around, you're around our age then. So you've grown up without an internet as well right like in the very beginning there was barely yeah. barely anything yeah. going on have you noticed the kind of changes that chad was alluding to here as far as how people are you know morphing over time into becoming more or less possessed by the uh, the algorithm uh yeah i mean uh uh i don't want to get your youtube uh uh i don't know what i'm allowed to say on your youtube but i, I think uh uh, you know, you're, you, you speak like an academic, but I'll put it in the layman's terms. Uh, yeah, people are becoming more fucking retarded uh, with every passing day. Yeah. That's safe. That's safe. Okay. That a problem? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the simple way of putting it is uh, yeah, people are like, it's astonishing, uh, like how uh, just the way people look when you when yeah. you go outside, the way people are starting mm-hmm. to devolve. Guys, I, 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 again, I hate to cut Ben off. <laughs> because, yeah, I just... <laughs> and I don't see what's so funny. I don't see quite what's so funny about I'm this. Sorry, story. Joey. I'm sorry. And, and um, so, no, and the other thing Hold is... Hold on, my dog's barking. One second. Yeah, well, so I don't think it's that funny to say retard um, anymore in 2023 and i am neurodivergent and so if you guys could avoid saying retard or faggot while i'm in here i would now nobody nobody said the f slur and that one i think that one should still be safe for youtube but anyway sure no problem don't worry about it we we shall all right so all right so yeah i do have a question uh for the board here is that okay love go for it my question is, why didn't Ted Kaczynski just move to some third world shithole where they, uh... Oh, you know... let's be fair here. Chad, from what Chad told me, <laughs> India is actually a really good fucking place. Like, they no, have, they're very India's friendly. Cool. And, yeah. No, but India is cool, but he could have uh, uh, moved to where there's still, uh, I don't know, where could he have moved to? Where, uh, you know, uh, the technological claw doesn't have its uh, uh, mitts all over everything. Chad, what do you think? In um, 1989, um, it was claimed in one piece of literature I read that the only um, human cultures that had been unpenetrated by the technological system were in Papua New Guinea, largely due to the kind of wildlife in Papua New Guinea. I'm talking giant spiders, uh, giant lizards, giant snakes, things like that were so inhospitable that only the natives there could even... You can't even travel in Papua New Guinea at that time anyway. You had to just be living like the natives. So that was one of the places. And there was a few tribes in the Amazon rainforest. According to this piece of literature in 1989, from a, a professional anthropological source, those were the only ones. And that was 34 years ago. So I don't even know what, what the case is today. 
there's that island, the one that the Christian missionary you recall tried to uh, mm. go there in order to convert them to Christianity. New Sentinel Island, I think it's called. And they ended up spearing the guy to death or something. So, like, those are the holdouts. You really have to be very fucking violent in order to make sure that uh, the uh, technological uh, stuff does not encroach upon your area. But at the same time, though, like, this could get a little... I okay, I'm not going to get metaphysical right now. I'm not going to talk about God and spirituality and all that. But I don't want to forget that either because that's... I'm going to save it for later. But anyway, let's go to uh, Brian. So, Brian, working with AI... You are the enemy, according to Ted Kaczynski. You're the enemy number one. You're the one who would be the receptor of, like, if you were still around. But, you know, we're not going to get into that. But anyway, Brian. Right, I get some very interesting packages. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So this maybe comes to a surprise, maybe to people who are more of my fans. But um, I'm not completely on the side of, you know, uninhibited progress, even on the kind of technological end. There are, of course, many people who, even people who work with AI who are now skeptical, they think there's going to be a kind of, you know, Terminator-like scenario. You might have heard of the paperclip optimizer, where the AI is just um, completely negligent of the destruction it's causing while trying to uh, fulfill some goal. Um, in general, I think the this kind of, like, increasing... Um, conforming of human nature to the system is something that's becoming more and more widely recognized, right? I remember there was a column, there was a column recently in Compact by my friend uh, John Askinus, who made this point exactly, right? Very similar to Ted Kaczynski's point, this time in the context of, uh, of the kind of religious conservatism. I don't know if you know uh, of Compact, but it's essentially this kind of like economically centrist or economically left-wing and socially uh, right-wing online uh, publication. But they were making the point that um, trying to preserve these kinds of ways of life, trying to preserve sorry. these Oh, sorry, by the way, I know that I'm muting Joey, but there is background noise in Joey's camera. Joey, that's why I'm muting you right now, because there's too I'm much so, noise so, going so, on. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Turn it down, turn it down. My friend's trying to watch this. Final, NBA final. <laughs> All right, no problem. Well, anyway, uh, Brian, keep going. Yeah, where where yeah, people are trying to protect their way of life, and they're noticing that it's becoming increasingly impossible. Right? I, I I'm not you know a philosopher, but I'm someone who still is able to observe the things in front of me, and it seems increasingly clear that even if you are say someone who is living in a red state, there are increasing in numbers of dependencies. You need you know you need the power on. You need the heating on, so on and so forth. You know, you need your you need your induction stove, um, right? Um, to comment on the meme of the day, but it, it's true what Chad was saying, and I think what uh, Kaczynski was saying that uh, with the increasing technologicalization, you have more and more dependencies outsourced to a system that is now um, that is now basically seeking some kind of interoperability. Um, what is interesting about uh, an increasing new generation of technologies is that, I, I mean, uh, a friend, Balaji Srinivasan, has this point that it may be going in the reverse, right? That with technologies such as Bitcoin, uh, even to some degree with artificial intelligence, that, tr that trend may be reversing. Uh, he views, you know, the peak of centralization as maybe something like 1960, 1970, where all the technologies were favoring... Uh, favoring centralized networks as opposed to uh, decentralized networks.
works, right? So he has the observation that 1960s, 1970s was kind of peak media centralization, right? You had three networks, you had two telecom companies, and those were the only game in town. Whereas now in terms of internet, we have many other smaller companies. We have Starlink, we have these different providers across the globe. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about media. I mean, you just look at this show itself, right? The kind of increasing diversification of both what you want to get, what you want to consume, where you want to get it. You know, you can go to a variety of sites, right? And also the, the format of what's being provided, right? In, in the kind of Marshall McLuhan sense, the medium is the message. You can get vastly different cultures from say TikTok to this YouTube channel to, you know, a 10 episode Netflix series. All of those are kind of available. Now, the big question and I think this is a very interesting question I'd like to hear an answer from Chad uh, for is whether that kind of increasing rationalization, that necessity to be part of increasingly larger, all-consuming structure is a fixture of time and place, right? Or maybe something more akin to what Ted was suggesting that's kind of inevitable. That even with these kind of technologies that maybe have brought us more separation from existing media establishments, from existing uh, power establishments, right? Whether ultimately in the, the kind of like long arc of history, you will always have centralization winning or whether, you know, whether there's a way out essentially. Chad, go for it. Um, if I could have a bit more clarification, you, you asked whether it's a fixture of time and place. You mean whether it's um, in a sense of place, something Western and in terms of time, something as be happening at this point in history? Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? So when Ted Kaczynski makes this observation, is he talking about, you know, when he's talking about um, basically this increasing push towards uniform, uh, this kind of interoperability, this kind of like denaturing of people, right? Is that something that is, you know, in the past hundred years leading up to Ted Kaczynski in the United States or in the Western world? Or is that something that he thinks is going to project more into the future, more into um, what is possible to be invented in the future, what technologies could arrive? Or is that something that is much more you know, universal when it comes to technology? I think if we look at Jacques Ellul's technological society, which has a lot of uh, maybe the same ideas that you find in Tchaikovsky, but written for an audience of academic philosophers and sociologists, whereas Kaczynski was writing explicitly for the general public. And he had a PhD in pure mathematics, so obviously he was familiar with uh, conventions of academic writing, even at an extremely high level, but he chose to simplify his language so that it could be published in newspapers, because he really wanted everybody to understand what he was talking about. But uh, there's a lot of overlap between the ideas, so you find a more explicit reference to time and place and uh, particularly the idea of the kind of universality or universalism you mentioned in Jacques Ellul's uh, technological society and the main point as I interpret it that uh, he makes about this is that um, technology doesn't operate according to the same laws of time and place that humans do and it's right. something of an illusion to misread our understanding of these things into technology for example the fifth characteristic of modern technique, which he lists near the end of chapter two is its universalism, which really means that 
technique is always operating at the largest scope possible. Um, and insofar as it seems to be Western, this is kind of a historical contingency, which and for, as far as technique is concerned, doesn't really apply to it. The idea that spreading tech, modern technology to the rest of the world is a westernization or that it's uh, colonialism by other means, that's exactly what Elul challenges because the western civilization itself is something which modern technology has to negate and uh, undo as it progresses. That's one of its conditions. In fact, he notes that uh, one of the reasons why it took so long for modern technology to develop in the West was precisely because the uh, moral and philosophical and religious ideals of Western civilization were roadblocks inhibiting it. For example, um, the mandate to not reduce people to instrumental objects, um, to treat them as, uh, as, as people right, rather than things. You find that within Christianity, but also explicitly formulated in Kant's ethics, given a philosophical um, explanation of the highest standard of rationality. And this is something which modern technique found to be a problem because it has to turn all of us, even the seemingly most powerful, into instruments and objects. So right, right. Yeah. Elul noted that, mm -hmm. right, so the, spe the place-specificness of the West and the time-specificness of human history are things which it has to inhibit because technique is always thinking in the largest possible scope and always thinking outside of anything like human history, because even the structure of Heideggerian temporality is negated by it. Jason Reza Giorgiani noted that um, in uh, Prometheism that uh, the Heideggerian disclosure of time really doesn't explain the temporality of technology, because if you look at the notion of obsolescence, we have an understanding that um, outdated technologies are living in the past, but that's kind of ridiculous. They're inhabiting exactly the same present moment as the thing that replaced them. What that really means is that insofar as you have different technologies, they are just different stages within a linear genealogy in which something comes to be a, an improved version of the thing that came before it. And after it, it appears, what it replaced seems to no longer even be an option, even though it technically is. You could still be using technologies from 100 years ago, but you really don't feel like you can because they seem to be outside of the present moment. And uh, that's also, I think, in terms of choices that we make, too. So, for example, I think that there is something that brings Joey and his uh, friends over there to engage in a sexy uh, wrestling uh, play in the background while Ben looks on with a little uh, glimpse of satisfaction <laughs> in, in his eyes like Gendo Akari watching Shinji get into the Gundam for the first fucking time. So I think that I there are... I love you guys I love so you. Much. I love you. <laughs> so it's honestly, I, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when somebody cuts me off. So I hate to keep doing it to you guys. <laughs> Go for it. And Ben, I don't know what so I don't know what you, what you keep laughing about. I don't think it's that funny. Um, and so, but if we could just if we could not, can we edit that out? Or my friend? <laughs> I'm. I don't do it. Uh, can you relax, please? There's like. Uh, I don't know. If... <laughs> Are you guys seeing this BS? I mean, there's a. Literal... I think this is live. <laughs> this is completely. This is live. Yes, this yeah. is all the way live. Again? Dude, we'll... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what did we do? Yeah, the the wrestling stuff, and then also it's like I I'm, I don't know. 
There's like two literal geniuses on this thing. Devin was playing with a sword. Yeah, I mean, okay. Like let, let's 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 take, like, let's take a step back. It was it was a, it was a little tussle. It was just yeah, let's take it. This is probably one of the strangest streams that I've ever done before. Because on one hand, I one hand like cross cross this way, cross this way. You have two absolute geniuses, and then you have the merry pranksters over here, Joey and Ben, on the side. But I want to find a way. I want to find a way that we could actually have the two real math genius, or they're just saying that he's Asian. Joey, Devin Costa, by the way. Hey, Devin, we were we were talking on Facebook before. I wanted you to come on BTR, and here you are. Long time ago, I know. I like. I don't know. I'm sorry, but I heard your name, and it was familiar to me. So it's nice to see you. You guys, nice to see you too. I'll talk to you later. I'm sorry. Sorry, we had a we ran a we had a bet and we I lost and he that was he won he won and he needed to wrestle me naked. We're trying to level out the IQ. I don't I don't know what's going on because Joey loves Ted Kaczynski. Joey's made a sketch about Ted Kaczynski. I I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, so, so yeah, you should talk with him. Sure, sure. You made a absolutely. very funny sketch about uh, Ted. Sure, absolutely. So. My thing with Ted Kaczynski is I, there's way too much focus on the, the things that he allegedly did with the, the hardware that he developed and possibly put into the mail and stuff like that. And I'm not quite sure if they even have enough evidence to convict him, you know, and, and so I think his lawyer is kind of screwed in, uh, in many senses. Um, but more, more so what I'm what I think about is the fact that he was a nature guy and he had a great body. He was an ectomorph, his body type, he was slim and he was long and he had abs and nobody ever talks about how hot he was, you know? And the guy had big, big old traps on him and he was, he was out hiking and, and, and clearing trails. And he was a hardworking, honest to goodness, guy that i just i i it's sad as hell what they did to him i mean i find similar things by the way people who lived in the british empire who went to live in like south africa or you know different places like in india for example they seem to have a glow about them right like chad i don't know if you've experienced the same thing with yourself going from the united states to india but i think even though i think joey tried to make that into a uh, trolling joke i think there is actually a lot of legitimacy to what joey said about ted kaczynski and being way more alive in nature. So exactly. were your ex yeah, were your experiences the same like when you moved to the uh, to India from the United States as far as transforming yourself <laughs> like just feeling like a whole new you? Yeah, absolutely. I think a big yeah. difference is um the uh the 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 food itself in America is something of an illusion. Okay? Even bread Okay, which was the symbol of food itself. Jesus says in the Bible, um, give us this day our daily bread, because in the West, bread is a symbol of all food, in the same way that um, in the languages of India, rice is just a word for food. If you, um, if you ask someone if they had their lunch, you ask if they had their chora, which is just the word for rice. So um, there's an idea that the staple is kind of the symbol of all food. But ironically, in the West, bread no longer is food. It's just a half-stale bundle of super cheap ingredients really uh materials is a better word some of them aren't even really food and it's um and it's uh splashed with a layer of um artificial flavoring which 
is engineered in a laboratory to hit the notes on your tongue to make you think that you're tasting some delicious food, but it's actually not. And I feel like I didn't even eat food really until I left America because here literally, you know, you, you uh, take the, the wheat seeds and dry it on the rooftop and then you take that to the miller and then you make your bread from that. Okay. And it's very filling, but the bread in America, it's you, you eat it and you're hungry right away afterwards. And this extends to everything else. Um, you want chicken, you go to a butcher. They have the live chickens um, in the room. Okay, He takes one, he slaughters it, you take it home. Um, the, the vegetables on the side of the road are from local farm. And all of the food, I feel, in, in America is one way or another just an artificial simulation of something else that it's not. But we don't really care because we've accepted that the purpose of food is not nutrition. It's just entertainment. The idea that entertainment is supposed to be a pleasurable experience, which according to Kaczynski, and Lowe, it's, it's really meant to just take your mind for a moment off of how stressful the living conditions of modern technology are, or really how depressing it is that you've lost your freedom. Entertainment makes up for that by increasing the intensity of the pleasure so that you don't really care. But I've noticed that the intensity of, say, the sweetness, like if you leave America, you'll realize how unnecessarily sweet everything in American cuisine is, um, you'll realize that that raw intensity of sweetness or grease or things like that, they don't really um, compensate for the loss of flavor. A lot of these packaged uh, processed foods in America, they say that um, if they weren't super sweet, you wouldn't even be able to eat them because the actual taste of the materials would be so terrible. And I, so, I, I, mean, I, I, I do have something on this and I'm not jumping in flippantly here because this is something that I've, I've thought about a lot is, and I agree with you 100%, where these the bread is empty calories. And Ted Kaczynski would eat uh, 10 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And that's part of the reason that he got so jacked. Um, he wasn't a guy that was eating these, these, these new American foods that are, um, you know, sort of worthless uh, nutritionally. He cut those out. And he would focus on lean meat, chicken, he would eat a ton of salmon that he caught himself, by the way, which people don't talk about. And he would build his body um, up to a point where he had strength. Aesthetically, he looked perfect, but it was functional strength. <laughs> and so... Um, that's why I, I I hate. That's why I hate when people go on about the bomb stuff, because the guy was such a, a physical specimen as well. And nobody, I swear to God, no one ever talks about that. You're saying he could have done what he did with just his bare hands? Oh God! Thank God he chose to use uh, you know bombs because a lot more people would have been dead if he if he went out there with his fist. His fists are, uh, how do you say it, licensed uh, weapons of death or however that quote goes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. No, I don't know. Like, I think that there is something to what you said. Again, trying to take an overused uh, piece of material and flipping it around for the sake of this podcast. I think that there is something to the idea that we can become supermen 
the Ubermensch, the Nietzschean Ubermensch, if you will, if we yeah. actually stop eating a lot of this slop that's being handed to us here by the, you know all of these you know factory farms and all of these FDA approved uh, bullshit factories. I think that we can get to like some higher level, but at the same time, like Ben working on uh, Tim Dillon show and now working on Lemon Party. Mm-hmm. You're constantly looking at the laptop. You're constantly in the digital space. Yeah. Do you feel like the algorithm is taking you for a ride where you may want to become like an Ubermensch of sorts, uh, but at the same time, there's only so much time you have in a day, and you kind of have to just focus on making sure that you strike while the iron's hot in terms of certain things in the algorithm? And do you find yourself kind of being a prisoner of, you know, your podcasting uh, sphere? Just, yes. just to answer for, for Ben really quick, he recently he drank three Slurpees at the whale. I did, yeah. For the third time. Yeah, that's and we're, we're comparing him to the Ubermensch. Uh, <laughs> that's what an Ubermensch would do. No, that's what a that's what an Ubermensch would do. That's like that's like Shiva, like a uh, Chad. What is that thing about Shiva drinking the poison? What is that in Hinduism? Mm. So the god Shiva drinking he, the poison. Yeah, the god Shiva he drank mm-hmm. an entire lake full of uh, mercury. And uh, that's, I don't know if he mm. saved a village or something, but that's what a god does. And I have a feeling like we are capable of achieving that godhood if we don't get distracted by all these apps and all these algorithms. But Ben, do you feel me? Do you feel what I'm saying here as far as you're working on the laptop and you're all stuck in that world and you want to escape? First of all, I just want to say that if Nietzsche, if Nietzsche was alive today, you don't think he wouldn't be drinking Slurpees? <laughs> And going to see the whale. All right, Joey. You you think he would still be want he can't go off the grid and wander around the woods and write thus spoke Zarathustra. He'd be on a no fly list. The government would be following him. Uh they'd poison they'd poison him. They'd you can't be doing stuff like that. You don't know anyone that's doing that anymore that's just wandering around the woods for 10 years. That's he a good point. And and Nietzsche, I, he, one of my favorite quotes by him high standards protect you from low quality experiences. He would say that, and he was so right about it, and he did, he's, you know, another thing, arrogance is the cause of most poverty was one of his big things. Okay, sure, okay. And no, and so, but when you talk about stuff like that, and you you leave that out, it it leaves a bad impression. And look look at Ben's hand. You see what he just did? He just did the white power thing. No, 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 I'm doing this. I'm doing this to make a point. By the way, that uh, that quote, do you know who uh, said that quote? Uh, Chad, guess who said that quote? Arrogance is the cost of most uh, poverty. If you can mm. guess. Andrew, Andrew, Tate. Andrew Tate. You got that uh, spoiled what? it. Andrew, I wanted, Wait, Andrew Tate. Yeah. Damn, I, I thought we were going to get an Uncle Ted quote. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle You're Ted, Andrew him. Tate, it's the same thing. But no, in seriousness. <laughs> oh, no. no, in serious now we know no. what he was really up to in Romania. No, now I want to talk about Andrew, Andrew Tate. Stole it from Kaczynski. Yes. Oh, wait. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This is actually important. So, Chad, Andrew Tate, very big figure among young men right now. Shoot, what's going on here? In relation to Ted Kaczynski and all the stuff that he talks about. Like, I don't know if you've been following Andrew Tate, if you've been seeing some of the things that he's putting out. I think he's still arrested in Romania right now. We have, like, all of these young uh, boys just going out there and chanting, you know, for him to be released. So, 
is this a sign of some of the things that you were talking about earlier? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, all that I really know about Andrew Tate is the fact that he was arrested. Okay. Um, and that according to some, the circumstances of his arrest, if I understand correctly, seem to be more maybe uh, politically motivated than anything else. But I can say this, if he was encouraging people to uh, try to be more um, natural, um, then the system was inducing them to be. That's definitely in line with Kaczynski. But honestly, I don't know more about what he was promoting. Well, uh, other than ben, he was critical of the SJW stuff, yeah. Well, Ben, you yeah. know Andrew Tate well. I mean, I know that Tim was on his yeah, uh, show, but I no. Met him. No. You, you met you met him one time though, right? No, never no, met him. No, never never met the guy. But uh, when it comes to how you would describe Andrew Tate for uh, Chad, because Chad, I think you know he's been you know living in India and uh, working on philosophy, and so Andrew Tate sure, not sure. really a thing to. Uh, uh, be uh, focusing on that much, but in general, like Andrew Tate, how would you describe him from what you know of uh, the guy? Just another, you know, uh, what's what's that line about uh, these people come and go like uh, waiters in a restaurant? What's what's the? Uh, he's just another like uh, grifter kind of uh, retard guy who uh, uh, preys on other people's securities and and lies about stuff. And he's he's uh, he's. I mean, he's no, he's no worse than all the rest of them. It's for people whose lives I think are totally like aimless and directionless, and they're mad and they're angry and all those things they should feel. But he's like he's like Trump. He's like all of them. It, there's no there's no difference to them. They're they're all, it's all the same guy with a different mask. And that right, goes. Right. I actually want to jump in here because Go. it dives right into something we were talking about at the beginning, right? Like the alternatives to the system feed the system. You know, Andrew Tate's always talking about escaping the Matrix. And, you know, what, what's he doing here? He's just selling, what is he doing? Selling supplements, selling his, like, fake university right. thing, right? Like, the the thing that he's Hustler's he's doing, university. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? Yeah, the, the I, thing I, that he's doing is, like, defecting from the system in the most <laughs> predictable way possible, which is just feeding back into the same thing. It is this kind of weird, you know it's this kind of weird thing where he's not, you know, providing people with this holistic human thing, which you would expect if you were, you know, actually trying to go into uh, self-improvement. Like the, the thing that he's selling is this kind of like scam version is this kind of like digitized version where like the meme of what you want, you know, like th that kind of like ideal physique is like completely detached from, you know, the actual process, the actual work it would take to get it. And, and by is, the way, speaking of ideal skin, speaking of ideal physique, I think that Joey has a great point here. Like looking at that photo, like Chad, you would say that that is a pretty good fucking physique. It's not like overly built, like some body roided a bodybuilder. Like that would be kind of an ideal for all of us to strive towards. I know that's kind of a side, but yeah, like Brian, yeah, you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I think this goes into. Man, I, I guess this is just becoming, you know, like the 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 paraphrasing biology thing. He wrote this book called The Network State, right? But um, what this seems like, right? The big question that I actually ask myself, right? This is something that, like, not not just in terms of like theory, not just in terms of, like abstract ideas. Like, can I get together 
with a group of people and basically live, you know, normal, well-adjusted lives, right? You know, like basically having a group of friends who, you know, is not a, not a bodybuilder, none of us are bodybuilders, but like try to reasonably work out on time, try to reasonably like mar- marry early enough, try to basically live in a lifestyle where you're not, you know, you're not kind of detached from your own humanity. Um, and um, Balaji seems to think that like the way to do that, and, and I, I would say I'm inclined to agree with him, is that the internet now lets you connect with people who have very similar ideas, who have very similar interests, who are kind of like the top 1% in terms of being passionate about the same things uh, than you are. And to me, that kind of offers a way out. That offers, you know, I'm fairly young, um, even younger than Ben. Uh, that really? to me offers how, a how, kind how of young way are you? out to hope for this. How young you know, are I'm, you? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, 21. Wow. Holy Jesus. shit. You are like yeah, a 21 people, math yeah, genius. I did a, a tour pool once. You know, I did a tour pool once and people thought I was like 35. Yeah. It was shocking. Yeah, look, Joey, you can flex all you want. Nothing's going to be more impressive than Brian's age. I think his physique is better than mine. I completely you know? forgot I was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of these friend groups, like, can you uh, just to take a step back here? Because I think this is the this is the silver lining in this technosphere we're in right now. Like Ben, Joey, Devin Costa over there in the back. Like you guys found each other through the uh, comedy space. That was like a way for you to make some friends. I mean, obviously through Tim Dillon as well and through like Joe Rogan's network and all that. And uh, I found a similar sense of friendship in uh, Skankfest, which I attended back when it was in New York City several times. And Devin, I think that's when we first met, right? Like we first met at Skankfest. No, I, I've never been to Skankfest. No? If you ever met me at Skankfest, that's an imposter. That's okay. All right. I take that back. But I met this. I've never been to Skankfest. I don't have a wheelchair. <laughs> as soon as he gets a cleft palate, he's going to be there. <laughs> the minute half of my face burns off, I'll be a Wait, no, but, uh, yeah. All serious, I, 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 I haven't met you, man. Okay, uh, just it was just through the internet. I'm having false and plundered memories just because I remember meeting a lot of great people who are in comedy in that kind of environment. But you have a lot of false memories. I I have a lot of dreams that I sometimes may confuse for like the real things because I dream I dream of Skankfest. <laughs> like no, I, seriously, like I recorded about like 280 dreams now since 2017. I have like an entire diary full of these things. Like I keep revisiting the same places over and over again. It's a lot of fun because like you know that when you go to sleep, you're going to have something very memorable to look forward to. And the last dream that I had where I met uh what's his name? I met Klaus. Schwarz and he was riding a bicycle on the uh, boardwalk of the beach and uh, I went to the hotel room uh, where well not the hotel room I went to the hotel and all of a sudden all these old women started coming up to Klaus Schwab and they had this uh, plastic surgery on like their faces were all exaggerated but then I met this girl who I started flirting with and she didn't have any of the plastic surgery on it was really cool so so it's a since dreams are reality, you know, what's your prediction on whether Klaus Schwab is healthy and okay? 
I, I think he's doing all right. Like, I don't know. Like, he seems to be uh, doing pretty well with the whole Great Reset thing. Like, how seriously do you guys treat that, by the way? And I don't think it's diverting that much away from the original topic of Ted Kaczynski. Because the Great Reset, that would, I think, be, Chad, if you would agree with me, like an example of a government body trying to have, like, this big tech oligarchy that's going to rule over people. But how seriously should we take this? Like, okay, starting with Ben. Ben, I'm sure you know about Klaus Schwab, Great Reset. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't, man, the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab. I'm, I'm a little out of my element there. Uh, Whitney Webb just sent me a couple books about it, about all that shit. And I'm, I'm well-versed to know, to know the... Uh, I mean, dude, th this, uh, these pe people work at a, a Terminator corporate. They're building the machines that are going to kill us. You should ask them, not me. <laughs> okay, Brian, working at Terminator Corporate, 21-year-old uh, <laughs> prodigy. Uh, what do you Brian, think about the? What do you think about the Great Reset? Where do you work, Brian? I mean, uh, the startup has no like. The startup literally started when I put out the article, right? So this was like a month and a half ago, and then a, a bunch of VCs just started contacting me saying, like, if you were to do an organization that actually does this, right? Because I suggested, you know, like a hypothetical organization that do this that does this. Right. Um, and a bunch of VCs reached out to me saying, like, if you did this, we would fund you. Right. That's literally how it started. So so it does it does not even have a name yet. It's super early stage. You know, I don't want to pretend to have done more than I actually have, you know. Um, so and, and, you know, like, love, so love and I knew each other. That's from what I love too. about Japanese people. They're so humble. Uh, wait. I do want to actually answer the question, though, because yes. the question is very interesting. Um, so people, I'm not sure this was kind of like a meme where it was going like around a lot. Oh, Brian which speaking. Was basically, which was basically like making fun of Donald Trump or like trying to like say Donald Trump is not that influential or not that important in the populist movement and basically saying like he's like a clown that, that like stepped in front of a group of people who were already marching for something and kind of like took over the parade, right? I kind of see that as like Klaus Schwab. The, the thing that you understand, I think like a kind of Ted Kaczynski understanding or all these people who are now turning to older theorists, like maybe Marshall McLuhan, or um, I forget what the other book was that Chad, uh, Chad Haig mentioned as well, which was also something that I've had other people mention to me, right? But people who understand, or like Nick Land is also another good example some, as someone who also references Kaczynski, right? Of all these people who now see it as sort of like a cultural system instead of like a top-down one. Right. I think that's something that's very important to understand. Like it's it's very easy to think like, okay, here is here is like the bad guy. It's like the, the problems in the real world are just as simple as like a James Bond movie. All you have to do is send in the guy, you have to take out Klaus Schwab and then everything will be okay. It's like, no, it's 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 not that easy. It's more like, you know, all of these incentives are driving, you know, not just evil people, not just, you know, like Bond villains, but all of us, you know, like pretty ordinary people to all end up participating in organizing and organizing ourselves in this way. So, so to me, like the great reset, maybe it's like Klaus Schwab standing in front of the parade and maybe he's putting in like, or maybe he's advocating for economic policies that will make it like slightly worse. Right. But he, at the end of the day, he's a very small part of the problem. He so there is a little Klaus Schwab inside all of us, you could say. And when <laughs> yeah. you when you cut one Klaus Schwab <laughs> down, there's gonna be like ten more will rise in this place. Right, not even that. Right, I, I don't even think it's like you know there are in, an infinite number of suits. It's like yeah, it, it's like the Solzhenitsyn quote, right? Like the line between good and evil runs between the heart of every man. 
it, it's exactly that, you know, like it's because the things that we we're describing, right? Like, come on, like we've all eaten bread, right? We've all, you know, we're all well. According to Chad, we have not. According to Chad, we have not all eaten bread. Uh, right? Yeah, like the yeah. fake bread. The yeah, fake, fake bread. bread exactly. Right? We we've all, you know, we're we're all like talking online here, right? It's not like we're not contributing towards like the technological society, right? This is. I mean, this goes back to an earlier point, right? In order to have, in order to have basically people branch off and say, we're going to live a different way of life. That is not, you know, it's not like this kind of libertarian thing where it's, it's only one person going off. It's like, I am the only person who's going off and living in this way of life. No, that's, uh, before we that's go not practical at all. Further uh, away from the point that I was talking, I was just thinking about. Yeah. I have my uh, 401k in Klaus. Uh, Schwab, and I is that? And are you guys saying I should pull it out, or should I leave it invested? Uh, I mean, you know, this is not this is not investment advice. You know, this is not you know all, all of the disclaimers. This is for informational purposes only, right? Well, again, to, 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 to turn this in the current market, I would not be long on most things at all. Should I take my money out of Klaus Schwab? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, like most most things, I would say. You know, once again, for informational purposes only. You know, I would say that like the U.S. You know, U.S. dollars is like maybe the least bad option right now. Okay. I trust you, and I'm not saying I, it's not just because you're Asian. You seem like you you, you might actually be smart at stuff. <laughs> Oh no! I see, see. Like this is this is you know in, in you know in a year stocks will be booming and I will get sued. But that's why I said that, that's look, why look, I said look. this is only you know this is not investment advice. Okay, nine hundred and fifty-eight <laughs> times one hundred and twenty-nine. Go ahead. <laughs> because I did say you were a math prodigy, so I have myself to blame. 158 times was i guess see i can't even remember the numbers you know i'm free i'm free fried today yeah i mean there's different kinds of math prodigies out there like there are people who are human calculators and then there are people who can do very complex formulas but they may not like process things that quickly can right brian can i ask brian a question love go for I'm it afraid. go for uh, it so i just read um uh uh I don't know how to pronounce it, actually. God, I'm so dumb. Cor McCarthy's new book. It's called Stella Maris, I think. Is that how you say it? Uh, I've not heard of this book. Okay, well, uh, he, the woman in it, the protagonist, she's so intelligent. Her, uh, her like, intelligence, it frightens people. She's so smart. And she was a math prodigy. And in the book, she talks about how uh, uh, mathematicians, the great ones, can solve math formulas. They, they solve their hardest problems unconsciously, actually, where, where they'll be trying to solve something. And then later, they're not even thinking about it. They're just in the shower or something. And all of a sudden, a number comes to them. Yeah, have you had I, I any think... experience with that? And what could you speak to in terms of like uh, the intelligence of the unconscious mind and how it can uh, it's better at problem solving than, than we are, it seems? By the way, I was thinking of Charles Schwab, not... Klaus, well, we had something mixed up. Go ahead. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely done problems, you know, or like I've definitely had problems come to me when I wasn't working on them, you know, like, like having that, those kind of shower thoughts. Is that like a math, is that like a math thing or like, I don't know, because it's not just math problems, right? There, there'll be moments when I'm thinking about, you know, like what's the best way to phrase this article, right? Or to, or to like make a point about like politics and it'll be the same deal. Like I'll be, I'll be taking a shower or something like that. That seems like a pretty common thing, right? Like people people taking a shower and having stuff come to them. Yeah, I think there's a Reddit for normies. It's called like r slash shower thoughts. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, right? So, but yeah, I, I think definitely a lot of math people, you know, they're not always, you know, it's not always sitting at your desk, you know, doing your um, doing your research job or, or whatever, where the information, where like the kind of insight comes to you. I think like, and I don't think you have to be, you know, like a mathematician to get this, right? I think like a lot of just like normal people working on normal problems in their everyday life, that happens to them too. But as far as certain mathematicians that are very much out there, like I'm sure you've heard, Brian, of Grigory per per Pellerman. I'm not saying his name yeah. correctly, but he was this guy who uh, has a bigger beard than Chad and uh, <laughs> lived it with his mom in an apartment full of cockroaches in absolute poverty. This guy won like a million dollar math prize for some um, equation that he solved, and he ended up not taking the money. So, and I think his quote was something that he was like able to control the universe. So what point would there be in having these millions of dollars? Mm -hmm. So like when I take a look at those cats or people like Nikola Tesla, for instance, we see it's not even like 80, 20 rule. It's not even that it's more of like a 99.99 and then like whatever decimal is remaining, uh, type of deal where we have like a very few amount of people who actually contribute at least it seems this way to society and then we have like another level which is like competent and good at what they do but they're not like the uber geniuses and then you have like everybody else who's just kind of like you know in there and going along to get along would that be a fair estimate to say of society i know like chad what what do you think <laughs> Well, the very notion of somebody who can exist in society without being useful to it, although I don't really like that term because that's more like the technological system's perspective on it, but the idea of even something like food production, uh, for example, um, has been said uh, when uh, uh, Kissinger visited India um, that he had the impression that the very notion of somebody, even in, say, the 1970s or whenever this was, the notion of somebody who doesn't labor at some level to produce food that's a western notion in india traditionally there wasn't really an idea like that and you don't have to literally be a farmer to be involved in food production in fact um during the lockdown of 2020 um ironically enough the price of vegetables actually dropped the price of food generally dropped in india because people who had the skills to eat growing vegetables um like my uh, my own parents in law for example both grew up on farms in rural india they had the skills, but um, they were uh, they had been both very busy working um, various jobs. But during um, the lockdown, people who had the skills were able to finally put the the grow bags up on the rooftop, grow their own um, eggplants, uh, chili peppers, okra, things like that, and the price of food actually dropped. In contrast, in the West, you had the price of food going up to the point where now in um, California, it's what eight dollars for a dozen eggs. I don't know, Ben, are you living in California right now? 
or hey, yeah, yeah. Whole dog. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's eight. <laughs> it's literally like eight bucks. It's fucked up. <laughs> Actually, it is. It's very expensive and it's insane. No, everything's yeah. insane here. Yeah, you go to the grocery store. Uh, for a sketch we shot last week about um, the formed TikTok children that go live, uh, uh, I bought a thing of Crisco at Ralph's. You know, you know what Crisco is, right? Do you know what Crisco is, Les? I know. Yes, yes, I know what Crisco you, is. You know what it is, Chad? Crisco is a big can of. A, no, I don't. It, it looks like a, it looks like bird shit, basically, but it's. It's, it's horrible, by the way. It's like vegetable oil. It's like the thing that right-wing Twitter is mm -hmm. uh, really not a big fan of. Right? Like, that would be... It's the... a shortening. Shortening, yes, exactly. Yes, it's, it's vegetable mm -hmm. shortening. But uh, people uh, people in the South, they cook with it, and they live to be, you know, 43 years old. Uh, but they use it to, to cook everything uh, with. And I went and bought it, and it's... I mean, it's literally like... It's, it might as well... You might as well go to Sherwin-Williams and just get a can of paint. And just pour it on whatever you're cooking. Uh, it was like, I think it was like fourteen dollars before tax, and it was just a little can of uh, grease to cook your food with. So every time I go back to the grocery store to get the things I like here, like the I drink goat milk. I really like goat mm. milk. The goat milk I like now is like fifteen dollars. And when I first moved into this place back in February, the place I was getting it at, it was like I think it was seven ninety nine. And even then, it was already. I was like, Jesus, this is high, and it's it's doubled since then. So. And the commander cord in the chat. And by the way, sneed your super chats, everybody, and make sure to subscribe and uh, add a like. Uh, commander corn says it's fake lard, which I think is a pretty good way of uh, <laughs> expressing what exactly this is. But you have, for example, people in India, like you said, Chad, who have a very traditional type of, you know, growing your own food, that kind of good stuff. But then in China, I've seen that video recently, I don't know if you guys saw it, of this lady who was taking out from the dumpster just like all of this uh, leftover um, goo that was used in the food and like reusing it like some kind of a broth you know, that was just, like, left among the trash and the maggots and the garbage. And she was just, like, reusing that for their uh, restaurant, like, for the food. Just, like, going out in the gutter and just picking that up. And I heard a lot about, like, this gutter oil stuff coming from China. So it seems like a big contrast. Like, you imagine the two big places, China, India, and the pollution that comes out of, at least from what I heard, both of them pollute a lot. But from what you're telling me, Chad, in India, it's slightly better. They're not going to go down that road of, like, using gutter oil to, um, uh, you know, to put around their food, right? No, you couldn't imagine that here. Um, the video um, of the woman harvesting uh, materials, <clears throat> excuse me, for gutter oil, which um, had surfaced before 2020, but... It um, kind of had a resurgence when people were uh, inquiring about the origins of the virus, which I won't name. Thank you. Um, the video where, where she was, right, where she was um, harvesting materials, it was from the sewer. She was taking raw sewage, which would then be processed at an illegal factory, along with some other materials, into the gutter oil, which in the video it was estimated about 10% of the deep frying in China, not just street food, by the way, even high-end restaurants where it was alleged they could be using this stuff, um, was was with this sort of oil. But the really frightening thing about it is that it was claimed it's not immediately obvious that you've consumed it. Because you might assume if you if you um, have something deep fried in this, you're immediately going to have a, a stomach upset 
it was claimed it's actually more subtle than that. You may not even know if you've been consuming this. Mm. Wow. So, Ben, you should consider yourself lucky with the Crisco oil. You know, at least it's <laughs> not from the fucking gutter. You know, in right. that sense, Americans, I think, have a leg up on the Chinese. But uh, I think other places like uh, India, perhaps, they have a leg up on the Americans. I mean, there are also like the Elysium people, for example. There was that restaurant Noma, which I think uh, is recently about to uh, close. And that's in Denmark. And that's using a lot of like the food from the land and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah, but, they can only get food from about like a three mile radius or something. Yeah, they exactly. Rooms and things like that. Yeah. But that seems to be more and more. And I think, Chad, you also talked about this back to uh, Uncle Ted here, more and more the domain of the wealthy, like the wealthy can afford to live in nature. The wealthy can afford to live as close to a Ted Kaczynskiite type of existence as possible, including how they raise their kids. You know, like I think that the richer you are, the more you're going to start to focus on, hey, maybe my kids shouldn't be playing with this iPad. Maybe I should take them out to the woods and teach them how to, you know, Joe Rogan style, how to use a bow and arrow and all that. Like that seems to be the direction that the elites are going into. Am I wrong to make that uh, statement? Uh, who who are you addressing? Well, there was, oh, okay. Everybody. If I may just say real quick, uh, there was an article some years back that um, the the workers within Silicon Valley were the ones who precisely were not giving their children iPads and said they realized how um, it would be better to give them Dr. Seuss, to give them outdoor time. And on a superficial level, it might seem like, oh, would they have the amount of um, uh, privilege to to escape from what everybody else is subjected to while ironically creating it for everybody else. But I think it's not quite as simple as that. Um, the idea I mentioned at the very beginning, that technology is not just the literal set of physical machines. So you don't have the iPad in the child's hand. You feel like you've circumvented that, you've avoided that. It's more subtle than that because quite frankly, um, if you're within, especially the corporate structure of Silicon Valley, you're going to be existing within a type of psychological regulation, which Kaczynski calls over socialization, which will dominate your attitudes, your movements, all of that in a continuous and unconscious manner, even if you don't literally have the, iPod, the, the iPad in hand. And it's a sensitive subject, which I don't even really want to bring up, but the suicide rates uh, among teenagers within that area are disturbingly high as something of an indicator that this sort of over-socialization, careerist pressures, even if you don't literally have the iPad in hand, you're, it's still going to affect you and it's still going to dominate you all the more precisely because it's imperceptible. Yeah, it's fucked up. I don't know. Like, Ben, since you are in the belly of the beast in uh, California, you've probably right. been encountering a lot of, you know, like Tim Dillon always refers to the TikTok kids, the mm -hmm. uh, hype beasts, as it were. You know, like. Yeah, I've met a lot of them. So, what exactly is going on in their world? Like, is it uh, what Chad is talking about right now? Just that kind of uh, addiction to the algorithm where. It's different from the relationships that you had with people growing up. I know Joey's about to do a fucking troll. I'm watching your ass. Ben, no, no, answer no, the no, question. No, I'm going to go back to Ben on this, and I'm not doing a troll. This, this is, I mean, it's like the guy can't help himself. This is getting ridiculous. He's like ruining the joke. 
Ben. <laughs> so, so, um, this is something that people, I'm actually kind of breaking a story for your show right now. This is probably going to be a viral clip or something. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so Ben, ben, ben let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. I've let's known hear ben, it. I've known Ben for like 10 years now. Uh-huh. And one of the weirdest things about him is when he used to invite me to uh, parties where Gislaine Maxwell was hosting them. And I, I would always, at the time, I was like, well, this is an older woman. I don't even understand how you know her. And then when all the Epstein stuff came out in the news, he came back and was basically just like, oh, I had no idea about any of that. And he's never really explained himself about why he was talking to them or why he had um, invites to their party. Mm-hmm. So I would be interested to hear what what that was about. Ben, did you go into uh, just Lane's uh, party and uh, meet all of her uh, blonde Swedish uh, boyfriends who were there? Mm-hmm. Her army of, you know, for... Uh, Allegedly, the uh, well, I'm going to get into that a little bit later. In fact, I want to talk about Jason Giorgiani in a bit because I think it fits into the conversation about uh, Ted Kaczynski. Ben, do you know Jason Riza Giorgiani by any chance? I don't. I don't. He's a good friend of the show. He's been on several times, uh, as have you, Chad. And what I want to do in the future, by the way, is bring you on with uh, Jason Giorgiani to uh, talk about the differences here in your uh, opinions of what is to be done in the future. Because the reason why I bring Giorgiani up is because he talked about just Lane Maxwell having a link to searching for the lost city of Atlantis. Now, he completely lost Brian. He's on his phone playing Tetris. <laughs> I don't even know who Brian is. <laughs> wait, 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 who's Brian? Who's Brian? Brian Redband? No? Okay. No, the Korean math genius. Oh, oh, it's <laughs> I thought you were talking about your friend, Brian. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Brian, listen, you are actually a part of this too because just Lane Maxwell, from what I understand, she invested money in a lot of tech projects, correct? I don't know, okay. Okay. I will explain. <laughs> As much as I can. So, I know the family uh, had Magellan, right? The, yes, yeah. yes. They had Magellan. She was also one of the top Redditor, uh, Reddit mods, apparently. She had... Well, isn't that disputed still, or is that true? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I'm just going to assume that's true. But, it seems it's true. But the more interesting part of it is not Reddit, because frankly, to me, Reddit's kind of boring. Uh, I prefer 4chan. But uh, to me, I love the idea that Giorgiani brought up that just Lane Maxwell, since she was young, and keep in mind, like, she, her father was that uh, super spy, you know, who allegedly worked for the, um, uh, the British government, the Soviet Union, and Mossad. And uh, he was allegedly, you know, pew, 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 on the yacht, which was his yacht that he named after just Lane. So the yacht was called the just Lane Maxwell. But anyway, she got into a sexual relationship with the granddaughter of uh who's that famous french uh by the way yes ben always says that if he has a daughter he's gonna name her Gislaine. all right good for him all right so anyway who is the name of that french sea explorer guy chad do you know who i'm talking about 
He is a sea explorer. He's dead now, but he's this French guy. And he's re- Jacques Cousteau. That's it. So just late mm. Maxwell had an affair with Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter. She was also an uh, admirer of Jacques Cousteau's son, who made multiple videos talking about how Jacques Cousteau was a big explorer in terms of finding the lost city of Atlantis. Mm. And his son also ended up being uh, Epstein, if you will. So it's a very interesting thing to look at for me personally when we think about that temple. Like, Ben, I'm sure, I mean, hell, like your former boss dressed up as the fucking temple. So the temple, from what I got from Giorgiani, that was all just Lane Maxwell's idea. It was her homage to the lost city of Atlantis because it even had these statues of, uh, what was it, uh, the the guy with the trident, uh, Poseidon. Poseidon? Yeah, like it had statues. Atlantis is supposed to be off of what, like the west coast of Africa or something? Like uh, right around- maybe, yeah, like uh, around maybe the Atlantic coast. I mean, it's still not clear whether back then it was like one Atlantis or there were multiple ancient civilizations like Graham Hancock. He talks mm-hmm. a lot about there being this cataclysm sure. 11,000 years ago and stuff. But anyway, the point is, is that there's been this fascination that she has had with this ancient city to the extent that she was investing in this underwater uh, fund, you know, to raise money to clean the oceans, but allegedly Giorgiani uh, believes that she was using that money to also fund submarine research in order to actually try and uncover this ancient uh, city. So it's a very different image than we get of what exactly is going on here because, you know, we just think of, like, the perverted things. We don't think of there being, for right. example, DNA experimentation that was done with, uh, you know, like, you remember that whole transhumanist plan that jeffrey epstein had to create like these ubermensch beings from his own dna like people kind of uh, look over that stuff people like don't take that stuff seriously but that was a goal that that guy had and the reason also why i bring up Giorgiani right now is not just with just and atlantis it also has to do with the differentiation of views that he has in comparison to chad haig uh, perhaps in comparison to um in in comparison to the guy who we're talking about this whole time, uh, <laughs> Uncle Ted. Yeah, so see, this yeah. is how I'm com- completely gone right now. So and I hate, I, again, I'm just, I'm going to, I feel like we're getting away from what, why we're not getting out. away from shit, Joey. I got to speak here. Here we go. <laughs> so no, 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 I got to finish. I got to, Joey, I, Joey, I got to, I got to finish. I got to finish my rant over here, okay? So here's the thing. Here's the thing with Giorgiani, all right? So he believes, he (laughs) believes that it's not going to be this technocratic hellscape that Ted Kaczynski is painting. What he believes, and Chad, I believe you know this well, that we're being set up right now in order for people to demand that there be a traditionalist government in the style of like the old medieval times, if you will, where people are going to be in a certain stratum of society and they're going to be happy about it. They're going to be making corn and things like that. And he thinks that what's going on right now with a lot of the leftism and SJW stuff, that all of this is just something for us to eventually push back against it in order for there to be a demand that we be ruled over by this you could say world government technocratic elite, but at the same time, something that leaves us as these more natural 
you know, uh, peasants in the wheat fields like all the, tr- like all the uh, trads dream about. So I'm curious what you think about that, and eventually I would definitely love to get you guys on at the same time to talk about it. But let me know. Wow. Ben, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your input on that. No, no, it's for Chad, but there's a delay. I don't know, Chad, can you hear me okay? Yeah, Chad's in India. Yeah, there may be. Uh, To be honest with you, it's starting to cut out uh, for some reason. It's a little difficult to... um, you Let have lost everyone on the show. Ryan well, stopped listening a long time ago, and now you lost. Yeah, I'll switch. I'll switch. Internet. 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 Okay. Yeah. I was asking before about Jason Reza Giorgiani's vision for the future, where instead of a technocracy, it's going to be a world government that's going to make us all into medieval peasants in a traditionalist society. Do you have a counter to that? And eventually, I would love to get you guys together on the air to talk about it. To the extent that I've studied Jason Reza Giorgiani's writings, he seems to be arguing that um, someone like Jules Evola, who uh, contrasts traditionalism and modern technology um, as antithetical to one another, uh, Giorgiani seems to be arguing that they're actually the same thing in the precise sense that um, modern technology is culture specific and particularly from the so-called Western civilization, although for him it's not just Western in the sense of European, it's more like, if I understand him correctly, it's more like Indo-European because he makes a big deal about um, uh, traditionalist Iran, you know, the the uh, the Persian Empire dating back thousands of years, right? Which, you know, you could also group in with that the Indo uh, Indo Aryan civilization of ancient India, etc. So this idea that modern technology is culture specific to the Indo European civilizations, broadly speaking, Europe, ancient Persia, ancient India, etc., because modern technology is an expression of the Promethean mythological archetype, which is the archetype of um, humans harnessing the power of fire and then being able to use that fire to master nature as an extension of their human agency and subjectivity. This is the exact opposite of what you find with someone like Shaki Lul, Ted Kaczynski. As I mentioned earlier, for Elul, technology is acultural. It's not belonging to any culture because it negates human culture because it's ultimately non-human. Um, it negates historical context because it's, um, uh, it, it, uh, it distorts the human understanding of time as the Heideggerian disclosure of Dasein through things like technological obsolescence, etc. Well, Jason Reza Giorgiani fully disagrees with this Illulian Kaczynski interpretation of technology because he sees it once again as being specific to the culture of the West and being caught up in a sort of historical progression that has a continuity going back thousands of years in at least Persian and Indian civilizations. The question, I think, really is whether there's any feasible scenario in the future in which that actually comes to realization. He he acknowledges in Prometheism that right now you do have something of a negation of human agency by technology, which he uh, largely describes through the motif of shame. There was a, a general in the U.S. Army in the 1950s who couldn't make a decision about nuclear war, so 
they had an AI program do it for him. And the leading military expert in the world, I guess, because the United States had the most powerful military, couldn't answer a question that um, AI could, uh, caused a sense of shame. And Giorgiani's analysis of this is largely that we have to reverse this shame into shamelessness. And if we succeed in doing that, we'll shamelessly reappropriate modern technology as an expression of our agency rather than have it put us to shame by doing things which we can't. The question is whether this thing which he puts forward as being plausible in theory, whether it could actually happen. And from the standpoint of someone like uh, Kaczynski and Alul, the answer is no, because for them, technology is not an expression of any culture or any human force. It's rather something which works to turn us into robots because in the far future, it would prefer human extinction, or at the very least, it would prefer to transform us into the kind of beings which are no longer really, really human at all. Mm. So when it comes to, for example, uh, psychic powers, because that's another thing that Giorgiani likes talking about a lot, it's not really something that we think about. Like, we're so used to living in a very mundane existence that we think of psychic powers just being like some tinfoil hat bullshit. And Brian, I don't know what your thoughts are on various research that has been done, like people like Rupert Sheldrake, for example, talk about morphic resonance, talking about like when one animal learns something that another animal of the same species ends up learning that, even though it's very far away. Like there is interesting things that are possibly going on here that lead me to believe like there's more going on in life than just materialism. Like just to put it simple, what are your thoughts like starting from Ben and then Joey? And Joey, I expect an answer from you keeping in mind everything that Chad just talked about right now. Okay, that's, I'll, I'll be incredibly impressed if you take everything that Chad just talked about and make a joke out of that. But anyway, Ben, what do you think about materialism? Well, you can't give the floor to me and then instantly transfer it to Ben. Because I'm starting from Ben. I'm, there's an order here. There's an order of operations. Wow, what a host. There's an order of operations. First Ben, then Joey. Let's hear the answer. Ben comes first, Joey comes second, if okay. he comes at all. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, and then Lev, Lev, by the way, I, since I am part of the technological revolution as a podcaster, I do have to get on a flight tomorrow morning, so I gotta, I gotta pack and then uh, make dinner. So I gotta leave pretty soon. So this will, this will be my final, uh, my final goodbye. Final I, goodbye. I apologize for Joey, by the way. No, Joe, Joey's a lot of fun. We just have to keep Joey in a. Uh, how do you say it? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Sure, sure. You got to keep him on a leash. Yes, you can't exactly. let your dog run uh, run all over the neighborhood. You got to keep him in the yard. Exactly. But uh, Ben, any final thoughts on materialism versus spirituality? Where do you stand on hey, that? Ben, like, I know. Ben, by by the way, this is on topic. Ben, just so you know, <laughs> right now somewhere in your house there is a pipe bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Are you making some sort of bomb threat, Joey? No, no, no. I know where you live. I've been to your house. There is a bomb right now, very close to where you go to sleep. And I'm not going to say the exact location. This, this very this, moment, industrial society has led to this very moment. This will be in the news. Mm. When Ben is dead. People will play this clip because the like, oh this podcast was laughing about it. They didn't know. They they could have prevented it. And Lev, you're probably gonna be in trouble. Oh, so, go on, Ben. So Lev, in terms of, uh, 
you mean materialist in the term uh and the because a lot of people say materialist now they mean someone you mean materialist where someone says the only thing we can really prove is uh there's adam there's what was that i'm sorry about that my wife is uh uh, cooking in the uh, the room in the uh, the kitchen i'm sorry about in india you make all the food in the morning I need it later, but you do all the cooking in the morning, so I'll just mute my mic. Wait, Chad, also, if there's any way that you could show one of the dishes, just so all of the <laughs> Americans over here who are not used to eating, you know, fine quality uh, food, they can, sure, uh, sure. they can admire it. But anyway, Ben, yeah, like, because you were raised I, in a religious household, but I mean, I, not so much religion as much as spirituality, as much as psychic powers, things of that nature. Like, how open are you to a lot of that stuff? So I pretty, I refute, uh, materialism and i've actually been thinking about this a lot lately as well because um uh core mccarthy is one of my favorite authors and you know he finally put out a book after like 16 years and did another interview which he's done like maybe three interviews in his life and he's been hanging out the in think tanks at the santa fe institute and uh, i was pretty sad that he described himself as a materialist in his interview uh considering that his not only are his obviously his books are fantastical and he has characters like the that that are the devil and stuff and obviously i understand those are books but in his latest book um he he has characters that talk about how they can't even understand the um the mechanisms that they use to even understand and observe the and observe the world around them and yet he still calls himself a materialist which i found very interesting especially with that that instance I brought up of how mathematicians don't understand how their brain solved formulas for them unconsciously while they weren't thinking. They couldn't explain something like that or that she would cry when she would hear, um, she would listen to uh, Bach's Chacon. Uh, it was so beautiful and she couldn't explain scientifically why certain notes made her weep or made her cry. And she found that to be very interesting. So I was pretty, I was pretty sad for him to describe himself as a materialist, but I think that's what happens when you hang out with very, very intelligent people in these think tanks. I think it sort of becomes this echo chamber where I think those guys probably start talking about eugenics. Uh, they're obsessed with the atom bomb. They're obsessed with uh, like death and destruction, developing war machines and stuff. They don't really uh, seem to be any materialist doesn't really seem to be a humanitarian. And I think it slowly slips into this place where um you know, no wonder all of his books, the protagonist is always um, incredibly isolated, you know, and, and very lonely. Well, also, I recommend you look at Jack Parsons, because people like that, at least from that earlier generation of rocketry, that seems to be an exception to, well, not an exception, that seems to be the way things were before. He was a disciple of Aleister Crowley. He was the guy who developed all the rocketry for the rocketry tech for World War II. And he was, you know, into magic, sex magic, like he was hanging around with the uh, Luciferians at that time or whatever, like the Church of Satan. So a lot of the people who you wouldn't expect to be into that stuff were into that stuff. You know, like the Bhagavad Gita that was quoted by uh, Oppenheimer when the atom bomb dropped. So uh, 20 gallons of diesel. (laughs) I also just read um, Young's autobiography, um, Dreams memories and reflections or memories dreams and reflections oh hell yeah and um 
you know, and I know, I know people say young is mid, or I don't know what the cool who says young is. is mid. Who said that? I don't know. Huh? People DM me that, and they go, "Young is mid." That was the tenor right? They're just <laughs> trying to show off. What is the packaging for the yeah. tenor right? But uh, what's? But you know, we can't. Uh, okay. We we don't understand how our unconscious mind works, and I think it's far more intelligent than uh, our conscious mind, and we we can't even begin to comprehend how any of it works. Uh, so to call yourself a materialist. Uh, you don't even understand how you're observing what you're observing, so I, I totally, I totally refute that. But I guess, I guess, are the only choices like being a materialist and and being spiritual. I guess are the was that the choice you well, gave me? Well, usually people would choose between uh, one of three: either being materialist, either being spiritual, or being religious, where they've committed themselves to a particular lineage. Yeah, I guess I would just be spiritual then. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, uh, and I don't think it's bad to be religious as well. Like Chad, you're probably around a lot of people who, and yourself, you know, you practice a religion. And one of the other things before you go, Ben, that I find to be extremely interesting, and I'll send you the Giorgiani stream that I did. His whole thing is that there's an upper layer of consciousness of people who are able to go into like the fifth dimension or whatever, and they're able to create worlds for people to live in where they die. So when you pass away, you're actually not free. Like you are still inside of the matrix as Andrew oh, Tate you... likes to call it. I really want to jump in here because, <laughs> because there's something so interesting here, which is I'm friends with a lot of the effective altruist types, right? I'm friends with the people in that kind of sphere. And it's like in public, they're all like, you know, maximize utility, maximize what's measurable. In private, you know, in private, they're very spiritual, at least, mm -hmm. if not like explicitly religious. There's a little That's bit of that kind of like gangster Catholicism okay. going on there. But I think it really is just a kind of reflection of the... To me, I am someone who believes a lot more in specificity and in, in time and place. Maybe there are some strong arguments about against that that would make me change my mind. But really, what I'm seeing there's this book. There's this book by George Dyson. I think it's like it's it's kind of like fiction-ish, right? Called Analogia, and I think it's like the development of technology um, behind um, beyond comprehension or something like that, and. That, I think, ties in with a lot of what we've been talking about because, sorry, I need to slow myself down. I've been pretty excited for this, right? Joey because, has a tendency of bringing that out of yeah. people, I take it. <laughs> yeah. For a brief moment in kind of civilizational history, we were at the point where, you know, human humankind had the arrogance to think that we had figured things out, to think that, you know, the processes by which we as a society develop or by our technology develops was all just figured out we got it guys it's just you know it's just physics and chemistry and you know a few things left in biology we're basically done and what the past few years have shown or like the past few decades with you know anywhere from internet communications from unleashing all of these social dynamics doing god knows what to uh you know the mental health of our children to um, machine learning, all of these statistical methods that people don't really understand how they work, but have, you know, an essential ability to do things. All of this is exactly as Dyson says, technology beyond our comprehension. So he makes the case 
that all of these kind of tools that people dismiss, you know, whether there's things that we would label as spirituality, things we would label as religion, things to understand or things to try to deal with the things that we cannot understand, right? Things to deal with, you know, complexity that we can't, you know, comprehend, right? All those kind of habits, all of those practices are making a comeback and they're making a comeback. And I agree with this view that they're making a comeback basically for a good reason. Now there's like two branches of this, right? As we go into the future, there's like the pessimistic branch and the optimistic branch. There's like the, I think maybe Ted Kaczynski is going to look at this and say, oh, it's only, only going to lead to more over-socialization. It's only going to lead us to go further and further deeper down the rabbit hole. Whereas maybe someone like Balji or someone like myself, to be honest, right, would be would say, here is, you know, here is the hand that you've been dealt. Here is a game, maybe you're not confident that you're always going to win. But here is a chance to say, you know, there's a bit more magic in my life. The magic, I, I feel, I felt like very, you know, just magical in terms of like, the things that have happened to me in my life in the past few years have just been amazing, surprising. You know, it, oh, it, yeah. it is a journey, right? And I think that that's, I think that kind of civilizational tipping point a lot of people feel. The only thing that I, I can I, add to that. So, I, I, I feel like I have the worst timing on this damn show. I always, <laughs> I always start talking right when you guys are talking, and I, it makes me sick to <laughs> my stomach. I, 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 again, one of my biggest peeves, and when people do it to me, I hate it. Um, but I, one of these things, and I don't know if this is good to say on a show, but <laughs> if you ever go to like a big five, you can literally just buy. Uh, a bunch of like styrofoam, <laughs> mix it with gasoline. It's basically perfect napalm. And um, also, like a mosquito net, a really coil. good, uh, like a, a mosquito coil. Coil, coil. Yeah, it's like it's like a perfect uh, wick for any bomb. So it's like homemade bombs, anything like that. But um, I I don't want to mute him, but I feel like I don't want the YouTube algorithm to fuck the channel over. <laughs> That's literally the only reason. So we have all five flavors of Ted Kaczynski here. It's Dragon Ball. We're we're putting it back together. Mm-hmm. Indeed. People are saying in the chat I look like Ted Kaczynski. Do you? What do you I think? I, I suppose I kind of do in this light. Yeah. Wow. That. Yeah. It's it's like that's like when I go like oh I look like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Right. Sure you do. No. Who does who does Joey look like? I'm trying to uh, think. I he looks know. like Robert De Niro. They say that I look like um, Zelensky sometimes. If I, if like my hair, if I could do like, I don't know, I don't know why. If you wear the green, maybe, I don't know, it's possible. But look, the last thing that I want to say about the afterlife, what I'd be curious about exploring is when people go into that uh, like half dead state, like when they're in the ER, they report seeing Jesus if they're Christian, or if I'm not mistaken, like they see Muhammad. Yeah, Robert Nero, they see Muhammad if they're uh, Muslim. Like, doesn't that paint the picture that something's going on in the afterlife? If the afterlife exists, that's kind of like fake. You know, like it's made for you to experience whatever you think it might be. And that's the, that's kind of a, that's kind of a mindfuck in a way. I Let's think, give that uh, one to Ben. Let's give that one to Ben. Yeah. Okay, so I, yeah, so I think your unconscious mind, it doesn't speak to you in words. It doesn't like you've never had a dream, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lab. Have you ever had a dream where you read a whole book? I read a <laughs> sentence, 
but it was kind of screwed up. But I know what you mean. Like the letters really, are all yeah. Yeah, you won't have a dream where it's just a a white wall and there's just words. It communicates to you in, in dream. It, it, dreams. Uh, your unconscious mind communicates to you in in dreams, and it and in the dreams it communicates to you in uh, images. And uh, these image in these uh, dreams, there's symbols within the images. So your unconscious mind is giving you symbols for you to understand that it's it's speaking through. I think that's kind of it. So your mind only has a grasp of certain things, whether it's Muhammad or Jesus, and it's using those mechanisms to communicate something to you. But the weird thing is that from what I read, a lot of those people were completely under. Like their mind was not functioning at the time that they would have been experiencing a lot of these things. But I don't know, like, it's a weird thing, because on one hand, sure, it could all just be like the brain synapses creating something, but where exactly is all of that coming from to begin with? You know, like, you can't really, you can't really, like, extract a dream out of a person's head, you know, or extract a thought. That's why I, uh, I try to do TM every day. Oh, I do do TM every day, and I, so I guess I am spiritual, actually. Do you have any uh, visualizations that accompany your experience? I have, I have had them before, but usually no. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Keep uh, keep doing it. You'll be like uh, David Lynch. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I read his book, and he he does. Uh, I know a lot of people do TM, and it seems to help with uh, anger and stuff. I also recommend doing the Wim Hof method. That's another thing. Which, oh, by yeah. the way, that I was... take cold showers in the morning, which makes me do Wim Hof breathing. Excellent. And that's, I think, uh, yeah, that was taken from India as well. So a lot of the yogis, like that's the last thing that and I know, Ben, like how long you could stick around and you got to go. But I wanted to ask Chad, we're kind of in the mode right now of talking about the things that can be worked on in order to not succumb as much to this technological uh, beast as it were. So when it comes to meditation, like Ben's doing, that's one thing, the cold showers, the yogic breathing, what have been your experiences when it comes to maybe meeting some legit gurus or some like legit spiritual people in India? And when it comes to things like Siddhis or going into these realms where it's not just like you're imagining it or it's in your mind, but it's actually something that's real, you know, something that's out there. Like, I know I said a mouthful. Anything you want to comment on that? And then I think we're going to be compl- compl- concluding soon. I can't even speak now. Well, this is, I think, directly relevant to the question um, whether your dreams and visions of the supernatural are just reproduction, reproductions excuse me, of images you already saw or conceived of the supernatural. If I understand correctly, whether there's a certain redundancy there, you're right that there are medieval Persian accounts of people who say... Um, uh, dreamed and, and saw um, the, the prophet of Islam speak to them in the dream. There are medieval Persian accounts of that. So, you know, that is something which has been reported as happening, not as uh, afterlife experience or near-death experience, but even just within a dream. There are accounts of that, and certainly many accounts of Jesus appearing in dreams, etc. What's interesting, though, to me is that there was a Brahmin um, here in India, <clears throat> excuse me, I met, who told me he saw a goddess of Hinduism appear to him in a dream and ask him to uh, visit her a temple. But when he saw the image on Google images, when he woke up, he looked up this goddess. It was the same image that it had appeared to him in the dream, despite the fact that he had not searched for this image before. So the idea that it's just a reproduction 
if this account is correct, it seems to me it's more than just that. It's not just the, I don't know, the, the Freudian idea that you have a memory that's repressed and then it comes back in a dream in a sort of materialistic manner. If this account is true, you could see something in the dream that actually is the same as it is when you when you go to the temple to see the icon. This is, I think, maybe something that has to be explained if we go beyond the materialistic standpoint to um, the other um, worlds, to use the terminology of uh, John Michael Greer. His first book was actually on Hermetic Kabbalah. There's a theory that you're, you're always living in nine different bodies in nine different worlds. The material world is one of them. The material body is one of them. But there are other bodies you're always inhabiting, even if they're obscured. There's kind of a, a platonic idea that you can go through various stages within the cave before, you know, you reach um, the, the sun, right, or the good. It's not just a simple dualism. Well, one of these other worlds we're, we're always living in, one of these other bodies is the dream world. And this is something on a mundane level. Every night, pretty much, you go to that other world. You can try to rationalize it away as, say, redundant of things that you experience in your waking life that are just reproduced by the brain. But that doesn't negate, in the least, the proof we all have that we, we go to that other world. But there are other worlds beyond that still. And Greer claimed that the appearance of the sort of paranormal phenomenon you're talking about is on the one hand something which is real in the sense that um, it's not just your brain fabricating illusions. These things actually do appear because they're appearing in a different world than the material world to a different body than the material body. But Greer's own perspective on this is that there are a plurality of these different images seen by different people depending on their, their personal background within religion because, according to Greer, they're all different manifestations of the same energy which in its pure state is just one this is kind of the i don't know the sikh or hindu idea that really there's a plurality of icons but there's only one brahman there's only one spiritual force which is god but according to greer they appear differently because they're just different concentrations of that one same energy so it really i think allows you to to to, to find a compromise in which each one of these is real but in a certain sense, according to this interpretation, that's because they all are. Wow, that was very powerful. I think that would be a good way to kind of uh, end it over here. Uh, ben, any final thoughts on Brian and uh, Joey? Joey, you, you, I'm saving the best for last. But uh, Thank you. Ben, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I guess Chad was, um, in a, I'll say it in a dumber way, I guess he was... Uh, and your thing about uh, the, the image of the guy at the... What was it? He he imagined something, and then saw that uh, he was a goddess. Uh, the, the goddess the goddess spoke to him in the dream, told him to visit her at the temple, hmm. and it was the same image. Right. That, so yeah. that's yeah. Campbell Joseph Campbell would say he sees that all the time with the collective unconscious, where he sees these symbols constantly uh, throughout other uh, uh, cultures and throughout history. The same exact sort of story. You see the Jesus figure. You see the. You see the. That's how he developed all the archetypes and everything. And I guess ben, that's what Ben. Ben, when I'm trying to fall asleep tonight, could you call me and say the exact same thing you just said? <laughs> jo Joey is. Um, Joey's deflecting because he he's insecure about his intellect. Frankly, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. I, mean, I have a small brain. I have a small drunken brain. <laughs> No, I mean, that's why Joey, you see, he has, to, he has to work out, he has to have muscles, he has to wave katanas around. 
uh, because you know he's insecure about how weak his mind is. He has to make up for it in a other. I'm making up for Meanwhile, my. Meanwhile, I can't even do it. No, no, you know what? Joey Joey may have a weak have mind, but Joey has a has a big heart. Joey has a strong big heart. Big hearts and big muscles. And it, <laughs> 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 now you guys are extremely smart. Well, Joey is juicing. By the way, it's not even. It's completely artificial. How sad is it that this man's juicing? It, it barely looks like he works out, by the way. I'm actually... So I can bench over 375 pounds. Oh, I, don't, just... I don't appreciate you fucking uh, incel lookalikes kind of cracking up about my strength. I, I work hard on my strength, and I don't I don't like you guys I, making light. No, I, Joey, frankly, I think you're jealous of the fact that I look a little bit like Ted Kaczynski, who you were complimenting <laughs> as this sort of, uh, you know, Greek uh, god-looking guy uh, earlier. You're the one calling in the Ubermensch and talking about how hot its lower abs are. And here I mean, we get the convergence. You're Googling, you're Googling We get back on topic. <laughs> well, listen, guys, why don't we fucking wrap this up? Because this show... <laughs> I'm not... I'm not Ben Avery. I'm not a podcast producer, but I, I, I listen. Doesn't take a goddamn genius to know that the podcast has gone off the rails, and it's not a great show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so let me do my plugs. And Chad and Brian, by the way, I would like to apologize for Lev. He this I I don't know why he thought he, you guys your time was best. Uh, spent on something like this when you have these great genius minds you can be solving problems you can be uh, you know doing all kinds of creative interesting things and, and people like, I, I don't know what Lev, either Lev put a fake bookcase behind him because he's trying to <laughs> Chad is like uh, obviously a genius. Brian is too, and we're sitting here. You, Lev, can't shut up about fucking Ted Kaczynski's upper body. <laughs> um, but no, if I could just do like a final closing thing, and I'll yeah. let you guys get back to doing, you know, what you guys do watching furry porn. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, 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 just, just like a, a weird, like kind of quirky little tip. If you mix aluminum with rust. Um, All right. I'm going to have to mute you now. This is going far now. This is far. I don't, my, I don't want my channel to be taken down by this fucking stream today. It will burn through an inch. <laughs> Why doesn't StreamYard have the ability to permanently mute? Like, I don't understand it. What's the point of the mute button when somebody can just unmute it? I Anyway. A bunch of match heads in a <laughs> All right, so Brian, Brian, uh, plug whatever you want to plug. Any final thoughts on the spiritual stuff? Whatever you want to say, now is the time to say it. And let us know about the AI project once again that you're working on. Yeah, sure. You can find you can find all the reporting at cactus.substack.com. Uh, I think my Twitter handle should also be here. Um, yeah, the, the AI stuff, you know, I think it's quite important that just in terms of neutral institutions, in terms of people who are already kind of favorable to keeping AI politically neutral, I think it's favorable that they have, it's, it's vested that they have an option 
right? And I just want to make sure that that's there. Uh, with regards to the spiritual stuff, I think, you know, I think the stream has actually been pretty important in terms of, you know, it was fun, right? I, I, so I don't, I don't really regret being here. I think, you know, having these jokes, having this like very kind of live human experience, hey, that right, has to happen. It, it has a to lot happen. of complicated math when you invented COVID-19. <laughs> that was that was no a good no one. it's actually very easy like the actual answer is that like you know genetic genetically engineering viruses in terms of like the technology that already exists it's actually you know pretty easy uh, <laughs> yeah like, like joey, joey here's the thing no, that's a way to you're probably that's, that's a way to end the street like yeah like in terms of the connections here i bet that there are some I don't know. I don't know what who, who Brian knows, but I think Brian, like you, are an incredibly smart person. So six By degrees way, of Kevin all Bacon. Of you guys, you guys all seem extremely cool to me. If any of you are ever in Los Angeles, oh. I would love to get a beer with any one of you guys. I'm not even kidding at all. Like, oh, you thank all you, man. Seem very cool. You're way smarter than me, and so if yeah, you're me and Joey will we'll go out with you guys if you come to LA. Oh hell oh, yeah, ben, I'd love that. Who invited you, Ben? <laughs> oh, come on, Joey. <laughs> No, I'm kidding, but you guys are cool as fuck, and I appreciate <laughs> putting up with my nonsense. All you right, final are... final plugs. Uh, Joey, actually, since uh, you're on right now, where can we find you? Are you at the Comedy Store, Comedy, uh, what was it, the, uh, what's that comedy thing, the one where Kramer uh, said the gamer word? What was Laugh the? Factory. Laugh Factory, <laughs> yeah. Are you at the Laugh Factory, or? Yeah, so, um, uh, uh, Michael Richards and I are on tour. <laughs> We're going to be in uh, Iowa, okay. and we're going to be in Nebraska. We're that's the only guys that would book us. I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, if, if so, I have a weird thing with social media where I only um, allow hot chicks that want to have sex with me to follow me. Um, so I, I deny all the other requests. So if you're a hot chick and you want to have sex with me. Uh, it's Joey R. LaFleur on Instagram. And Joey, anywhere careful, else, just... careful, Joey. My wife might be watching the stream. Well, yeah, it's tempting. It's a tempting proposition. But so that's the Instagram. If your object want to have sex, that's, that's it. Thank you. Uh, that is thank a legitimate offer. That, that is a legit, legitimate offer on the table. Yeah, legitimate offer. And thank you for having me on. Joey will uh, fly you out to his apartment no, i'm not flying anyone out I'll <laughs> a bus ticket or something yeah wait chad are you willing to go to the united states at any point or are you going to be in india from now on <laughs> i don't know when i'll be back in america it's been about five years since i left but uh you know who knows maybe at some point well i would love to host you as well if you're ever in uh, uh the area where i'll tell you behind the scenes where i am uh then i would love to have you and all of you guys over you guys are a lot of fun so uh and where could we find the great chad haig uh, right now the only platform i still use is um is uh, youtube right? yes. so, yeah, chad haig uh, philosophy channel and uh, I highly recommend everybody checking out Chad's work. I mean, today you're only just getting like the bite-sized uh, portion of what uh, this great man has to offer. Like I've been listening nonstop to all of your streams about the phenomenology of spirit and uh, all that stuff. Like it's you are somebody who I wish they would have had in colleges. And they do not because of the reasons why you yourself stated, like they're all stuck in that uh, horrible mindset. But you are a breath of fresh air when it comes to 
learning about all this philosophy uh, stuff. And I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you uh, having fun with us here. And uh, I would love thank to. You, thank you so much. And and uh, if you don't, if if I'm not, if you come to the comedy store and I'm not there, I would check out Hardware Hanks in the nail aisle. I might be. I would. Okay. Might be something. To so, so, sounds good. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. See, you fucking made me lose concentration. Hold on. Uh, all right, Ben, where can we find you? Uh, I'll remember. Okay, so I, I, have a, I have a new podcast called Lemon Party. It's patreon.com slash lemon party if you want to support there. We make uh, comedy sketches as well. Uh, me, Devin Costa, my brother, Jay Savory, who's a great cartoonist and very funny. Uh, people have been liking the new show a lot. It's it's uh, give it a shot. It's Lemon Party, lowercase. And it's one word, and it's on all podcast platforms and youtube nice. but uh, yeah patreon.com slash lemon party if you want the good stuff and i uh, hope that when you guys are going to turn like 70 80 years old you can actually reenact the original lemon party image you yeah, know that I would be that. That, that, that would be the that would be the cherry on top and uh brian what kind of website could people go to where they could learn more about your ai uh, work and all that stuff and uh let us know Right, so the company the company does not have like this is what I mean, right? It literally just started. Yes. Right. It literally just started. It does not have it's all private right now. Um, but like I said before, if you want to get the original uh, reporting that I did that kind of sparked this entire interest into starting this company in the first place, uh, cactus.substack.com, right? Just the word cactus. Um, I'll explain that at some point. Uh, .substack.com. And uh, you can find my Twitter handle here as well. Um, yeah, that used to yeah. be your name on Twitter, Cactus Chew, back in the day. Yeah, that was good times, good times. Well, it's still a good time. It's It's been a good time with all of you as well. It's a, it's a great time indeed. All right, and uh, that's it. I think we've covered everybody uh, about now. Final question. Final question. Final question. <laughs> Shoot. Um, and this... This goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is if you had a bomb strapped to your neck. All right, hold on. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Okay, okay. So, so the last question of the show, last question of the show. This is always the last question of the show. What is something that has too much order and needs more chaos? Something that has too much chaos and needs more order. Brian, I love you. You're my favorite guy. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, final thing. Uh, Chad, I don't know if you ever heard me saying before, but I really want to get you and Jason Giorgiani on. Uh, stream would you be would you be interested that would be uh, that would be great that'd be a really fascinating uh, discussion all right we're gonna make it happen because there's there's gonna be a lot of there uh, a lot of things to talk about all right that's it listen everybody make sure you subscribe right now smash that subscribe button smash the like button next week we're gonna be talking about robo waifus so that's gonna <laughs> wait joey joey hold on do you know what a robo waifu is uh, is that like some furry thing where you have? Well, it could it could be furry, but it's not furry in this case. What it is is there's an idea that a lot of the men who don't want to date women anymore have is that they can develop a robot woman, like an anime style uh, woman, for them Listen to marry. To no, no, I gotta finish my rant. I gotta finish my rant. Then you can speak. I know. I got. If I may say, yes. And now you're. Yes, go on, Chad. If I may say so, um, one of the guys who developed this was in China specifically because there are tens of millions of men in China who on numerical grounds alone cannot find a wife because the women literally don't exist. So I think that there is a reason for these robo waifus to exist. All right, Ben, final question. Robo waifus, yes or no? And then we're, then we're ending this thing. I say yes. Let's have them.
All right, good. That's the end of the stream. I just read Lolita by Nabokov, and the whole thing could have been averted if he just had a robo wife. Oh, Lord, here yeah. we go. Okay, listen, guys. Chandler, by the way, she recommended Lolita. That's supposed to be awesome. We're, we're, we're ending the stream. Patreon, listen. Patreon, for all the patrons of Lemon Party, and I know you're watching, patreon.com slash break the rules. We bring people together for the weirdest crossovers that you would have never that you would never expect to exist. And that's and why like, I'm very you grateful. You love Lemon Party, right? You like yeah. the show. I love the show. You guys have Hell great yeah. skits. I love the you episode. Smart, I love the episode recently about the uh, Japanese, you know, Hayao Miyazaki and about how, you know, the suicide and all that. That was a lot of fun. That was great stuff. You're ignoring Devin, who's on Lemon Party, by the way, Led. No, he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's hey, not. Devin. <laughs> it's all good. He's like a big star, and you're not even paying him. He's all right, guys. This is the We've end of the stream. ending the stream for 30 minutes. <laughs> this is the end of the stream. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron. Subscribe. Click the fucking bell.